Welcome to another episode of the Double Coma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So I love Facebook Lives with special guests. And this time I have, I don't know if you call him enemy or friend. It depends right. on your side of the transaction. I have Paul Kress, who is Fairway's AVP of Staff Appraisal Operations. That's a mouthful. But I know I've got so many questions. I've got so many questions. I'm so excited. Thank you for joining me of today. Of course. I'm yeah. happy to be here. I hope I, I hope I have all the answers for you. <laughs> well, and you drove from North Colorado down here to be with us today because, you know, we've got a ton of questions about what is happening right now with appraisals. We know that they were 21 to 24% of the time low a year ago. Yeah. And now it's closer to 5%. What would you say the most right. recent numbers? Yeah. 5 to 7% would but be accurate. Yeah. Low. Um, Right. So 95% of coming in uh, at or above value, even if it's a dollar. Uh, and then you've got a, a number of appraisal waivers. So I want to talk about things like what would it take to add value to my home? What does a reconsideration of value take? Um, why? Why did we see the, the fluctuation of 21% uh, of the appraisals are coming in low versus 5%? want to dive deep into where we're going. We'll probably spend about... Who knows? I, I always say it's going to be like 15 minutes and then it ends up being 25, right. but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Perfect. So let's go ahead and start. Paul, give us just a little bit of your background so we know where you're coming from today. All right. Yeah. So I, as you said, I'm the AVP of Staff Appraisal Operations at FLS, which is a sister company of Fairway Mortgage. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been appraising in the Denver metro area since 2000. Uh, where I started. Um, uh, from there, I became a, a, a review appraiser, a senior review appraiser, uh, went over to Fairway, uh, where I was quickly promoted to staff appraisal operations manager uh, and AVP. So uh, I've got a lot of experience in appraisals and in the Denver metro area. So you are always my go-to. Like yeah. if I've got somebody that's debating, you're like, yeah, that's a good appraisal. Or yeah, right. no, bring it in. <laughs> right? right? You're my first call because I know how much you know the Denver and the Colorado market, which yeah. is which is a gold mine to have here at Fairway. So let's talk about the volatility first, because I feel like some of the volatility might have calmed down. Who knows if we enter a recession and interest rates drop and we see more people bidding over asking again, that volatility could return. Right. So what brings that volatility and what eases it overall? Well, uh, lately, the reason it's eased is as interest rates have dropped. Mm. Um, demand, it's simple supply and demand, realistically. Over the past three years, the property values have risen more than they have in any other time in history. Yeah. And um, that's due to uh, increased demand and decreased supply. Um, and it's caused a, quite a market stir where realistically it, the, the purchase demand can't, can't be caught up with. And, and appraisals are done in retrospect. They're a, they're a flash in time and when you're looking back even weeks or days and trying to keep up with this market that's increasing day over day, um, that's what really caused the stir in the market and values to be to become under value or, or, yeah. or become under what the contract price was. And so it was t difficult for appraisers to keep up with that just based off the historic data that they're forced to use. 
So now tell me this though. It's like I want to say riddle me this, Batman. So riddle me this. I know I'm an I'm a real estate agent. I'm not a lender, but if I was a real estate agent and I'm representing a buyer and that buyer is willing to pay that amount of money for that house, isn't that the market value? Sort of. <laughs> it is. I mean, the definition of market value is what the probable buyer would pay yeah. for a property. And it's not the highest price that somebody would pay, but it's the most probable price that somebody would pay. So you could have one buyer that's willing to go way above and beyond everybody else. That's not necessarily market value. That's, you know, peak value, I guess I, I would say. So now the house next door to me is already under contract for $50,000 more than I'm buying mine for. Why can't I use that as a comparable? You can. You can. Okay. Appraisers can use those as comparables. Uh, they just can't give them as much weight as a closed sale Got it. Um, because it, it hasn't, it's not a fact yet. It, it doesn't become a fact until it actually closes it and now the appraiser can state it's a closed sale. It's a fact. I've confirmed all the details. Um, but until that close date comes, it's not an actual factual close sale. So they're going to give it a little bit of weight. And all the under contracts, active listings, things like that, that are in the market, those are factors that the appraiser should be taking into consideration, especially when they're doing things like analyzing um, supply and demand, market conditions. You know, They're looking at under contract sales to, to determine do I need to make time of sale adjustments to, right. to some of these sales? You know, ideally speaking, an appraiser is going to use sales that are a couple weeks old, but we know in reality, they're going to be using sales up to three, six months old, nine months old, even a year sometimes, give, depending on the market. So the appraiser really needs to analyze what's happening and the under contract sales can, can really help that, especially if it's next door. Right. And if it's next door and it's going to close soon, if it closes, can I redo the appraisal or close ours after? Like, is there a strategy to that? Yeah, I would say the best strategy is try to wait. In mm -hmm. that case, if you know, unless, you know, they got the closing pushed way out. But if you know that they're going to be closing soon, ask the appraiser to wait. Just say, yeah. you know, we know this is closing on Friday. Can you wait and come out till Friday? Yeah, um, yeah. The reason for that is that appraisals have an effective date. Um, and that's the day that they go out and inspect. So Got it. Um, if, if you know that sale is closing on Friday, as long as that sale actually closes that day, there's no better sale than the one that closed the same day as your effective date. So along that same line, reconsideration of value. So I get the appraisal and the guy next door is going to close 50000 more than me, but not yet. He's not closing for two weeks. My appraisal comes in 50000 or $60,000 lower than his, but maybe 10000 lower than I've contracted for. What's my process? If I don't agree with it, doesn't mean I'm right or wrong, but right. what's my process to ask for a reconsideration of value? Right. And every lender has their own process at Fairway. You'll confer with your real estate agents or if you know all the sales, uh, you'd, you'd fill out a form, send it to my team. Basically, I have a group of seven staff appraisers mm -hmm. located nationally that will help review all the sales, look at the appraisal. They'll scour through it to see if there's any adjustments missed. Well, these are opinions. They're going to ask the appraiser, of course. Yes. And they're going to review the sales to make sure if they're reasonable, legitimate sales. And then they'll send them to the appraiser. We're going to make a phone call, try to have an open discussion of, you know, what is reasonable. And that can be very helpful. It does help that we have staff appraisers that review all these reconsiderations of value because there are some times where things are missed. Appraisers may be missing time of sale adjustments. Appraisers may 
not uh, have analyzed the condition factor as well as they should have. So uh, there's a lot of different variables that our staff appraisers can and do look at that, that will help in, in some cases. And we usually see about 15 to 20% of, of ROVs, reconsiderations of value, that, that do end up changing, uh, resulting in a change value. Not necessarily always to that contract price, but sometimes it, that can make or break a deal, even if it doesn't get to contract, it, it's, it helps reopen negotiations. You answered the question I was about to ask, how many times does it positively impact and 15 to 20%. And I love the fact that when I reach out to you, you always tell me if we can't increase the value, you tell me why, and you break it down in a way that I can repeat that to the real estate agent and to the buyer, which is super helpful versus just saying, you know, we can't do anything. So right. that, that's been awesome. Would you say that there are more often certain misses by appraisers or is it kind of just every appraiser or every appraisal is different? I would say there's usually a trend. Lately, over the last couple of years, as we discussed, property values have increased in most markets nationally about 20% per year right. for almost the last three years. So that's a lot. And, and some appraisers are a little slow on the take to make time of sale adjustments. They're yeah. they're they're trepidatious for whatever reason uh, to do that. It's always been something that appraisers should analyze, but it's a relatively new trend for some appraisers to to make these time of sale adjustments because most appraisers will say, I just want to use the most recent sales and I'm not going to make a time of sale adjustment because these are the most recent sales that I have. But um, sometimes the most recent sale that's realistically in your marketplace can be several weeks if not several months old and as we know the market hasn't stopped increasing in that time and and maybe a little bit now it has but that's been the biggest trend that we've seen over the last several years super helpful what would you say if i'm a homeowner and i'm going to list my property or maybe i'm a homeowner and i'm going to do a refinance what are those things that i can actively do that i that you know would have helped me on my appraised value right well Typically speaking, in most markets, it's it's the same thing that it has been for a long time. Kitchens, yep. bathrooms, flooring. Now, outdoor spaces are starting to add a lot more value. Basements are starting to add a lot more value, especially as home values start to increase mm-hmm. uh, in the Denver metro area. Especially if you have you live in an area where the average home size is smaller, maybe 1,000 square feet, 1,200, 1,400 square feet added 600, 800 square feet in the basement can add a lot of value, a lot more living space. Um, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, when I first got into that, it you're getting 10 to 15% compared to the above grade living. And now it's a lot closer to half or even slightly higher. Oh, that's so really good the, to know. yeah, the values have, for the basements have, have definitely jumped up. So outside of finishing a basement, redoing the flooring, redoing bathrooms and kitchens, right. uh, obviously there's a scalability there. Some of those projects are bigger than others. Right. Uh, how much does curb appeal affect an appraiser's determination of value? That's a difficult one because that's a little bit more subjective. You know, yeah. it's the eye of the beholder. Um, and appraisers are, are taught to look at things like ornamentation, exterior finish, exterior you know, brick versus vinyl siding or brick versus frame. And those things can play a factor, but you're not going to see typically an adjustment made for something like that. That's going to maybe when the appraiser reconciles all the data, he's Mm. going to say, well, this one's the closest. So I'm going to put more weight on this sale or that sale because they do have similar external influences. Yeah. 
And then talk a little bit about, uh, so mostly, well, we're not doing VA appraisals at all through FLS. We do VA appraisals through the VA, uh, through the Veterans Administration. So, but what do you see as the differences by, between what you know of VA, FHA, and conventional? Because I know that's a big thing. Sellers often don't want an FHA buyer or even a VA buyer for that reason because of the fear of the appraisal. Right. Well, yeah, and the VA and FHA guidelines are a little more stringent than a conventional loan, but not as much as it used to be. The FHA and VA have loosened their guidelines a little, while conventional guidelines have tightened over the years a little bit. Uh, a lot of times people still get confused of, oh, well, there's chipping and peeling paint. Well, this is conventional. There's still, it, for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac conventional loans, there's still the guidelines for anything that's caused safety or soundness issues. The appraiser is supposed to make those subject to repair or inspection. So there's not as wide as a gap as there used to be. Uh, there still is though. I mean, for an FHA and VA, the appraiser inspects the attic, the crawl space. Uh, they don't do that for, for conventional loans. They, they have to test some appliances. They don't have to do that for conventional. Oh, that's good to know. What about the peeling paint? That is probably the most right. often asked. Do conventional loans care about peeling paint? They do, uh, especially if the house is pre-1978, because pre-1978 houses have lead-based paint concerns, so that's always going to be a safety concern. But conventional actually states that if there's any exposed wood surfaces, that the appraiser should make that subject too. So appraisers still will miss that some from time to time, though, and will still be, I guess, you know, not as strict because it is a conventional loan for right or wrong, but... That's the tendency that I see. What can you talk about the mother-in-law suites? I know years ago, before the rage of Airbnbs, you couldn't have a stove in the basement. So we don't constantly have people take their stove out if they had a a makeshift mother-in-law suite or a rentable space. But now it's kind of common. Airbnbs are in everybody's basement. What's the delineation of what I need to prepare before the appraisal? If you do have a a guest unit or a mother-in-law suite, it's important to find out what your local jurisdiction allows. Most of Denver County allows ADUs, which is an accessory dwelling unit, lots of different names, mother-in-law suite, guest house, but most of Denver County allows it. And realistically, the amount of value it adds can vary from market to market. If they're more common, it's gonna add more value. Mm -hmm. Most of Denver County, you can't rent that space though. You can probably get away with doing an Airbnb, but legally speaking, you can't rent it. So you're not going to get like a, a income value from that. But the big difference that I think a lot of people don't understand is if you do have that finished space, it's not counted the same. It's similar to like a basement. You're not going to add it to the square footage of the house. It's not just one lump value. They're going to value those separately. And all agencies require the appraiser to use comps that also have accessory units. So those accessory dwelling units, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just recently changed it so that you can use the rental space on them if they're finished and they meet right. the guidelines and such. But so you're saying though, if it's if it's legally allowed to have an ADU, especially say in Denver, right. then you can leave the stove and everything in there. It's a mother-in-law suite. Yeah. But if it's not allowed, if it's not legal for that area, then creating more of a, a rec bar space versus a full build out mother-in-law suite is the recommended way to go. Right. Right. And you can't, now 
the guidelines on that have been, especially for Fannie Mae, have been a little more strict. They say you the removal of the stove alone mm-hmm. is not going to cut it anymore. So you actually do have to kind of create a, a retro wet bar space or something. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have to plug that hole with something, so to speak. Put a new cabinet in it, cap off the gas line or cap off the 240 electrical and, and really do a minor remodel there to make it fit within the guidelines. So no dragging the stove out No, the just dragging the stove out <laughs> in the garage, appraiser leaves, put it back in like it used to be. <laughs> Everyone knew it was happening, but it's uh, we can't do that anymore, unfortunately. Right. You know what else I kind of got spanked on in an appraisal is I didn't think to ask uh, this borrower when we were doing a refinance if she had any, she had a, a grow house in the basement. Since then, I've kind of figured out that might be a question we need to ask her. Right, <laughs> it's, it's a good That's idea. That's a deal, huh? It, well, That's yeah. A breaker. It's well, it's still not legal federally. Yeah. So all these finance, all these transactions we're doing are federally related transactions. Mm-hmm. So we still have to report it, even though it's legal in the state and legal in I think more than half the states now. But we're still going to have to take a picture of it. That's another big one. I I think a lot of bars will just think, well, I can just lock that door. Right. And the appraiser won't won't see it. And what he doesn't know won't hurt him. The appraiser has to see every room in the house, even closets, outbuildings, um, you name it. They have to go through every single one yeah. um, to find just for your own safety, too, and for the lender's safety. There could be hazards in there. One of the houses that we bought our kids had a grow house in the garage. Now, it had been somewhat dissembled by the time we got there because they wanted to take the major mechanicals, but right. they didn't take everything. But when you're buying a house, what is having a, because it's more common than I even thought it was, what if there is a grow house in the garage and you're buying the house? Does the appraiser have to, I'm sure, notate that? Right. Um, right. And then it's up to the underwriter, probably. Right. It will be up to the underwriter. Most often than not, what I've seen is it, it's going to killed the deal until they remediate it. So they're going to have to remove all paraphernalia, anything that has to do with with, with marijuana. And they're going to have to, even sometimes if there's a smell, yeah. they're going to have to do something to remediate that, maybe fumigate, whatever it is. There's certainly a stigma associated with that. So it, it could possibly even affect the market value because of that. And appraisals are coming back fast right now. Yeah. I mean, I you know, obviously your volume is slightly down, so appraisers are having this get out there quickly. Do you have any statistics on, and this is more underwriting than appraisal, so I understand if you don't, on how many appraisal waivers are happening as a percentage of all of the purchases or anything like that? Right, I don't. That is more of an underwriting thing. Okay. I know that it has a lot to do with how recently there was an appraisal on that property. What I've heard, and I don't know for sure, but if you've had an appraisal done on it within the last five years, there's a better chance that you're, and not you necessarily, but just the property itself. Property, right. Um, You know, all the agencies keep track of all all the appraisals. So that and a combination of your credit score is going to help, or all the credit factors, not just credit score, but uh, are going to help you earn that that appraisal way, but I couldn't tell you how many are getting them. I know it's less now than maybe it was this time last year. I'm seeing more govy and more minimum down buyers and they don't get the appraisal waivers. Usually you have to have 20% down, but so that's a good thing on the flip side. Well, Paul, I so appreciate you coming. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't think to ask? I don't think so. I just, I do love working at FLS and and for Fairway. It's a great company and I do really think that Sometimes AMCs get a, a bad reputation, but we do things differently. And I think it's, it starts with the staff appraisers and the amount of care that we put into each transaction. We try to put ourselves 
in the borrower's shoes every time that we deal with any transaction. So, and I do, I think that helps a lot. I think it helps a ton because I know that bars are stressed yeah, right yeah. now, especially if they had to offer more than the list price, right? And they really need that appraisal to come in at right. value. And more often than not, that's what they have to do to win that loan. So yes. we, we realize that and we're not going to try to push anything beyond its limits, but we're going to try to help you when we think it's warranted for sure. Love that. Well, Paul, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, we've got market trends coming out tomorrow. If you're an agent watching this, and of course, we'll send it out to our database as well. A lot happened this last month in the DMAR 11 counties. We're going to be talking about what does it look like and is it yet a housing recession? We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.